This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and Easter Sunday, please consider in your almsgiving a tax-deductible gift to our ministry. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the spiritual journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with a Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We now continue our conversation with Father Mauritius, exploring the various aspects of Antoine de Dussupery's best-selling book, The Little Prince. In this particular episode, we pick up our conversation from last time, discussing the aspects of listening and the importance of compassionating with others. The issue is language. Each of us has a different language. And not I'm not talking about English and Spanish. I'm not even talking about different accents in English. I'm more talking about that even different people, although they kind of seemingly speak the same language, still speak different languages. How can this be? You could again mention the generations. Young people use different words, different expressions, have different idioms than middle-aged or older folks. (laughs) When I first came to to this country, um, I did a sabbatical at a Jesuit school of theology And so I was together with many young people and students, and (laughs) what I what I um, noticed was they use very often the expression "kind of." It's like it is like you hear this very very often. Meanwhile, I'm using it too. It's a good it's a good thing, but it's an expression of they don't want to define things so precisely. They don't want to say it is this. They want to say it's like this. So kind of they want to keep the thing a little bit open, which would give them more chances afterwards to move on. And I haven't heard this so much from the from older folks. The older folks seem to be more secure what they say. This is just it is this. You know, it's not like this and kind of this. It's like, it's like, it's like. <laughs> um, what is better? I don't know. 
there is no better. It's just different. It's a different way to express themselves. And that's okay. Father, I think you bring up a very important aspect of our relationship, our, the way we communicate, because what I have noticed that has changed so much because of social media, for example, or the interplay. And I think we, in our face-to-face -face communication, our use of language has changed over generations, of course. But in social media, there is such a freedom on the part of those who are engaged in it to be what we've called vulgar, the vulgar language, that we have forgotten the sense of history that English, by its very nature, was considered vulgar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was a, the grabbing of a lot of mm -hmm. a colloquial type of expressions, bringing in German, French, all these different words, mm -hmm. and then... Mm -hmm. and then making them, I don't know how else to describe it, the peasantry. But the reason I bring that up is that when we listen to a different generation, because of the movement, the transportation is so quick now, mm -hmm. and it's changed, that when we hear them speak, for ears that are from a different generation, they hear it, it's off-putting, it's offensive, it's so many other things, but the one who's expressing it may not have that intent. Do you think that's true? This is exactly what I mean, what I'm talking about. It is our interpretation that we bring in that actually spoils the understanding. You are so right. It's, um, we, are, we have to be careful with what kind of ears do we listen. So... As you said, the social media and the use of the internet, this all has changed the style of communication. It has influenced directly how people communicate, speak, influence their language. Could we say also say, I mean, even through its use in modern music mm -hmm. uh, genres, I'm thinking in particular of rap music, that even that has changed generationally to a point where it expresses a culture's experience and yet from a culture even within the same country and I'm speaking here in the United States if we if that is something that seems foreign to us we could misunderstand what the expression is and unfortunately it causes even greater division because mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. communing we're not communicating mm -hmm. Does that seem too elementary of an, a way of describing that? I would, I would see it the very same way. The little prince says at a certain point, language is the source of misunderstanding. It's a little bit shocking because normally you would say language is actually the bridge. Language makes you understand. And if people don't speak and talk anymore, then how could you understand the people? This is still true. But we have to know that language not only bridges the gap between us, it also can widen the gap. Because things have different meanings in different worlds. Let me say another example from The Little Prince. There are the stars. 
planets, stars. And each of those figures sitting on those planets have different definitions of what a star is. For example, the businessman, he's counting the stars. And if I may, I would like to give you now a little little taste of, of Sontag Superi's language and um, the way how the businessman looks at stars. What do you do with 500 million stars? The little prince asked. 501,622,731. I'm a serious person and I'm accurate. And what do you do with those stars? What do I do with them? Yes. Nothing. I own them. You own the stars? Yes. But I have already seen a king who kings don't own. They reign over. It's quite different. And what, what good does owning the stars do you? It does me the good of being rich. And what good does it do you to be rich? It lets me buy other stars if somebody discovers them. So here you have a little example. The stars for the businessmen are things that he can own. You see it's really a caricature. It's, it's really kind of very... Mm, how can I put this? <laughs> it's kind of strange how Saint-Exupéry describes a businessman or a manager, but he wants to make sure that in the world of the businessman, everything becomes the meaning, even the stars, of, oh, I could buy them, and then I could own them, then I'm rich, and then I could buy more and own more. This is kind of the world of the businessman, which is okay, which is okay. But it's totally different from what a star is for other people. The little prince says, people have stars, but they aren't the same. For travelers, the stars are guides. For other people, they are nothing but tiny lights. And for still others, for scholars, they are problems. For my businessmen, they were gold. So what Saint-Exupéry is saying here is just the word star doesn't really tell you what people mean when they are saying this word. So the misunderstanding in our communication comes only from the fact that we associate different meanings with the very same words. This is why language can be the source of misunderstandings. We are using a word and you think, I know this word. I know what it means. No, you don't know. Only if you understand the person who speaks this word, if you enter his world, his planet, and start to understand what the meaning of this word is in his world, then you have understood his word. 
We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. Glorious St. Benedict, sublime model of virtue, pure vessel of God's grace, behold me humbly kneeling at your feet. I implore you in your loving kindness to pray for me before the throne of God. To you I have recourse in the dangers that daily surround me. Shield me against my selfishness and my indifference to God and to my neighbor. Inspire me to imitate you in all things. May your blessing be with me always, so that I may see and serve Christ in others and work for his kingdom. Graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces which I need so much in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Your heart was always full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. You never dismissed without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to you. I therefore invoke your powerful intercession, confident in the hope that you will hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I earnestly implore. Help me, great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to run in the sweetness of His loving will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back and to be a part of the mission. Thank you and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. You remind me of the writings of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross mm -hmm. and how she talks about having compassion of heart, sharing of heart with another. Now, that's very risky. Because it, what she would say is not just to be sympathetic or to realize that this person has a, a mind view, but she says to go into the heart of the person and walk in their passion, co-passionate, 
com- have compassion so that you, you not only understand, but you experience what that person is going through and then also what they would communicate. This is, I think, what the novella of The Little Prince wants to teach us, that understanding cannot be taken for granted. It needs this compassion, understanding from the heart. For Saint-Exupéry, the common case would be that we don't understand each other. It's a little bit strange, but it really helps to think about it once in a while because it opens our heart to listen on a different level. What does the other person really mean? It is a call for listening, empathy, compassion, respect, and definitely for not to make a quick judgment because when we know what the other wants to say or means, hmm, do we really know? So don't make a quick quick judgment. Don't interpret. Because every world will explain itself finally to you. Don't impose your views on others. Not even on yourself. Because you are sitting on a planet too. In this regard, one could consider not only people as entire worlds, planets, but also animals (laughs) or groups of people, families, communities, dioceses, parishes. These are worlds. You know, when you you cross, if I may say so, when you cross the Platte River from one diocese to the other, it's still the Catholic faith. (laughs) But there are some differences in, I wouldn't even call it culture, because we all want to kind of have the same Catholic culture, but it's a little different world. Is this bad? No. That's good. That's very enriching. Lucky enough, there's a bridge over, there are many bridges over the Platte River, so... Um, You can say the same thing, for example, for Benedictine monasteries. The rule of St. Benedict is the same across the board. But when you have visited Benedictine monasteries, you know how different they are. They are so different. The whole style, how they live, how they do community, how they pray, it's really different. It's not uniform. So one should even consider groups of people, communities, parishes. Any parish is a a world in itself. We should consider those in order to, as, as worlds, in order to be more open to them and to understand them in a better way. As far as families go, let me share this example. My experience is that every family has a different smell. So when you come into a house, a home, 
I don't know why that is, but it's probably a mixture of many different flavors and fragrances that every family has a different, smells different. And I love that. Because it's very characteristic and it shows you this is a, now you are entering a different world. It's not yours. You smell different. You're entering a different world. I would like to look at Jesus' life and find out does he sees the things in a, in a similar way? And I would say so. He never interprets. He's rather compassionate. He wants to feel with the other person. Let me take just one example. The blind man. It's obvious that this man is blind. Everybody can see it. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Here you can see this respect and empathy and compassion. I'm not interpreting. Maybe the blindness is not your main issue. Maybe it is not. Maybe you have a different one. I cannot judge this. You must tell me, how can I help you? How can I heal you? Do you see this incredible respect that he has for the, for the human being? He's not interpreting like everybody else. Yeah, he's blind. This is his, you know, he's blind since he was, he, the, since his youth. And certainly that must be the thing that he wants to be healed of. Mm, it is not as certain. Another example is the Samaritan woman at the well. Think about how much time Jesus takes to just sit there, be with her and listen. And finally, she herself reveals to him what the truth of, of her life is, or the chaos of her life. He does not judge it. He does not interpret it from the very beginning, kind of coming like, okay, so we'll see how we can uh, evangelize this girl here. <laughs> you know, nothing like this. He just kind of lands on the planet of this woman, and tries to understand, kind of not knowing what's going on here, not knowing yet, deeply believing that the Holy Spirit lives in this woman, that she is a daughter of God, and that God will disclose everything that is necessary. I could go on and on when I look at Jesus' life, Think about the sinful woman in Luke 7. How Jesus accepts her weeping and how she is bathing his feet with her tears and kissing his feet. Whereas the Pharisees are upset that was a no-no that a girl, that a woman would kiss the feet of the man publicly Jesus doesn't judge it. He sees her in her world. He sees that kissing is something very familiar to her, is the expression of her love. And now as she kisses the feet of Jesus, that's the best she could do to him. The Pharisees didn't even have the idea to do that wouldn't be their way. No, doesn't have to be. But again, 
he, Jesus, respects the person, sees her or him in her own world, and by doing so can transform the people and heal them. That really is key, isn't it, Father Mauritius? It's it, it, what struck me when you when you said that just a moment ago was that they were expressing the best they could where they were at. It may not be the best that I could do or the best that someone else could do, but it's from their from their vantage point and their experience. This is what I'm trying to commune with you. I'm giving you what I can give you. Mm-hmm. And that happens throughout so many instances throughout the culture, isn't it? I mean, you can listen to music today. You can listen to uh, watch television shows, uh, to read books. There are those who are trying to express something, but they may not know what it is they're trying to express. We may have a neighbor or a friend who... It, they may not have that same type of faith relationship that I may have, but we don't know even completely their experience. So it, as you've just described, Jesus comes in and he just compassionates. He compassions with their heart and deals with them where they are at in love. Mm-hmm. We We don't or we, or should I say, we may not do that mm-hmm. as we ought to, do we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Jesus respects the mystery that is in every human being. The Eucharistic prayer says at one point, God, um, the, the deceased people whose faith you alone have known, the deceased who whose faith you alone have known. So who knows the faith of the people, who really knows them, who really who really knows the mystery of another person? Let, let me conclude this topic by pointing out that we are invited to live out what the letter to the Romans says, St. Paul Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. And we may apply this to God, who is unsearchable, he is a mystery, to Jesus Christ, who is unsearchable, a mystery, and to every human being. Every human being holds a treasure and we not we don't really know it. We can only approach it slowly but truly. The little prince says, here is my secret. It's quite simple. One sees clearly only with the heart Anything essential is invisible to the eyes. A final thought, Father Mauritius? Yeah, maybe just the fact that this topic is very close to me and to us as monks 
because as monks we believe that everybody is kind of alone in the presence of God. Monk, the word derives from the Greek monachos, which means somebody who is by himself, who is alone. So there's a point in the life of all of us where we are just us and God. And we are invited to see this not as a scary fact, but as something really beautiful, that the whole God is reflected in us. Thank you, Father Mauritius. You're welcome. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. To hear and or to download this program, along with hundreds of other spiritual programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope if this has been helpful for you that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Hildy.